You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's Worshipology. This is a podcast geared uh, towards worship teams, worship leaders, and worshipers of Jesus. We're talking all about the practical, biblical, and spiritual on living and leading a life of worship. And uh, on the other line today, I've got uh, Keith Elgin. Now, Keith and I, uh, we've known each other for, we just talked about this, over a decade now. Yes, and uh, met up in the D.C. area. And just for those who are listening, uh, give a little snapshot of the Keith Elgin story, man. Talk about <laughs> how you got into music and worship and ministry, all the good stuff, bro. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I, I grew up in um, in church, and uh, at the same time, my dad was a high school music teacher. So I was, I was kind of always around music. And uh, so it kind of came naturally. You know, I was like the singing the little drummer boy as an eight-year-old soprano in church, you know. <laughs> Um, but I was really focused on sports growing up, and uh, so I played baseball and basketball, and and then in high school I played football. And but I was kind of playing the drums here and there, and and then in high school I played drums, and then I played football, and it, you know I kind of had this tug back and forth. But but I went mm. to college to be an English teacher, mainly because I I wanted to be a, a basketball coach, but also wow. have, also have summers off, you know. So that's a perk. Oh, but, that's good. Yes. But but. Um, <laughs> but but when I was in college, I kind of took hold of my faith for myself. And so I kind of had this mm. this come to Jesus moment where uh, I, I committed to do whatever he wanted me to do with my life. And at the same time, I was kind of dabbling, learning the guitar and, and singing. Uh, you know, I, it was kind of, it was nothing I, I was really used to. So I had a guitar. My brother had a guitar. He got a new one. So I took his old one and I just learned on the internet, kind of playing a little Dave Matthews and John Mayer, and uh, nice, you know, learning nice. chords and stuff. And and then uh, in the midst of doing that, I started going to a new church. Um, but I was in the middle of a year of teaching English, and one I was one day into getting my master's. I, I specifically remember sitting in class the first day of going to get my master's. And I was just like, this is, this ain't it, you know? So, wow. so I showed up one Sunday morning at church where I had been kind of dabbling on the worship team as like the second acoustic and a background vocal and the worship mm-hmm. leader was sick. And so the pastor's like, Hey, you're it. This is it. You know, um, <laughs> tag you're up. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're it. So we need you up there. And so I led and it was kind of clear from day one that, uh, I was being led into worship ministry. It was clear to everybody. Mm. And, um, so within a month after that, I had they challenged me to write songs. I had written a few songs, and a few months later, I found myself in a studio recording them. And then within that whole first year, I opened for Chris Tomlin, and I put out a CD, and I played at like a wow. festival, and and so I was kind of off to the races. And um, so that was kind of that was kind of the beginning. And and then over time, you know, that was kind of like a, a medium sized, growing contemporary church. That at the time mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of contemporary churches. This was, you know, 19, almost 20 years ago. And uh, then in 2010, I, I left that church to go help plant like a coffee house style church. And oh, wow. we planted a couple of them, a couple locations in um, Northern Virginia. And then um, now I'm, I'm the worship pastor at a live church and down in uh, Hampton Roads near Virginia Beach in the uh, in Chesapeake, downtown Suffolk. We have one in St. Louis, Missouri. So that's that's an adventure too. And, and I like adventure, so it's great. <laughs> so um, that's kind of like a quick 
you know, two minute summary of the last 20 years. If that, if that's, that, that, okay. that's like the Instagram version, you know, you could get, right. you could get the Facebook version, but man, like, <laughs> and you know, what's, what's wild Keith is like, as I'm hearing you share some of this stuff, some of it, I never knew. I mean, uh, that you, you know, were a teacher and then, you know, you really wanted to be a coach. And, but yeah. to me that makes so much sense as somebody who was kind of like lined up to go into teaching and coaching. And now you're, uh, you've been in worship for you know over a decade, and you have to do a lot of that. You have to do the teaching and the coaching with your teams and with sure. singers and musicians. Sure, sure. And talk about that a little bit. Like, what what what, what did you kind of take from the teaching in school environment, and then bring that into uh, the worship leading context as you're leading a team, as you're leading a church in worship? Because I know that has some spillover. One very practical thing. And I never realized this, but but growing up, my dad being a band teacher, I was I was in the band, you know, starting in fifth grade, playing the drums and different things, and I and I sang in the choir one year in middle school, and you know, you go into um, into like a class or a rehearsal, and there's a plan. There's mm-hmm. like you sit down, everyone kind of warms up, then you do some scales, and then you play through the first song, and you know, and there's a plan. And so for the first you know half of the my time leading worship. I would show up to rehearsal and just be like, you know, what song you guys want to do? Should we do the new one first? <laughs> should we do the yeah. most familiar to get a sound? You know, and and then I had a realization that like, no, I should structure rehearsal because that's just done excellently. I want to, I'm going to do things well. I want people to know what to expect that's when they good. come. I wanted to, that's and good. so that's a very practical thing. And then also, you know, I when I was teaching, it was it was in high school, and so. I kind of have a, a heart to see students get involved and 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 keep them you know f- functioning on our team and growing and learning as they grow and and all that sort of thing. So I, I, there's definitely a lot of crossover there. Well, and what's really cool is I know you've done thousands of camps. It seems like I mean, even just a couple months ago, you and I connected over a camp just in the uh, Williamsburg area, really yeah. close here to to both where you are in Virginia Beach For and sure. me in Richmond. But um, I think you know even leading at a lot of camps when you have a younger audience or a younger congregation, um, there's, there's that need to teach and there's that need for structure. Mm -hmm. And I mean, talk, talk to me a little bit about that world of like leading in camps, because I know there's a ton of uh, lessons that you've learned in not just leading a band in that environment, but also like yourself as a leader having to, because I think, and here's why I asked this question, Keith, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we get locked into this, uh, every Sunday morning, we're leading in, you know, maybe the main stage, main auditorium with adults. And there's just something about when you've got a youth group where you've got, I mean, I've been in environments where I was leading like fourth graders and fifth graders. And <laughs> it's a different world. But at the end of the day, isn't it Jesus that said, come to me as children, like yeah. childlike faith? There's something there. Talk about that, man. Yeah, I think, I, I think you know, specifically middle school and high school students are in such formative years. And they're being, yeah. and, and now especially being pulled in so many different directions with so many, you know, they're getting mm. their, their, their view of Jesus and, and their view of the Bible and their view of the Holy Spirit through, through Instagram and TikTok and things like that. And, wow. and I think it goes to, to what I feel like I'm learning more recently, um, just, just about worship and worship leading in general, that there can be a lot of different things pulling us. But if you have an encounter with Jesus, a real encounter with Jesus, a lot of those things that we worry about and, and that cause anxiety and cause stress and bother us are like they kind of fade away if you have an encounter with Jesus. And so I think coming to these wow. camps in a, in a, a you know you take 
let's say for example you're you're in the mountains right and you got 30 to 40 different youth groups coming together and you got a thousand students and you're you're setting up and there's this anticipation for it and and you kind of know like you have a couple sessions on there's one on Friday night and a couple on Saturday the one where everybody cries at the end and then say so, you know you know you're doing <laughs> cry and, night cry night as it's affectionately known <laughs> that's it cry night you know um, you're doing communion and people are giving their life to Christ and and then you you know it's just there's something about that getting out of the comfort zone, helping everybody else get out of their routines and then going away, which isn't, you know, I mean, Jesus did that. He would go away and spend time with the father. And I think there's something yeah. to be said for getting out of the routine of, you know, I go to church on Sundays or, or I go on Wednesday nights and Sundays or whatever it looks like for, for students and getting them mm. away from their environments uh, and and hopefully, if they have a real experience, they take it back into their environment, and they're different. Their environment doesn't change, but they are different based on what they experience. And I think there's an overflow of that, hopefully, into the rest of their life. And you know, I like new things. I like meeting new people. I like, you know, I got to see a, a, a lot of the country, a lot of the U.S. and all over Virginia, and that's fun. You know, at one point we had an RV and a conversion van, and <laughs> you know, and so now even students that. Um, you know, they were students at a youth retreat 10, 12 years ago. And now, you know, I'm still mm. friends with them on social media. And I see that they're either in ministry or they're married with kids. And, you know, first of all, wow. I'm like, that makes me feel super old. But second of all, it's just, <laughs> it's just great to see like, okay, I, you know, I got to be a part of something God was doing in their life in, wow. in these formative years. So I love that. Well, well, the cool thing about that, and and I'll say this too, as I mean, 2008, 2009, I, I probably did about eight to 10 weeks of camp in the summer on both of those summers. Mm -hmm. and, and it is wild. I mean, now, you know, 10, 12 years removed from those two summers. Yeah. You get on Facebook and you see those that are in ministry, you see, and, and I will 100% agree. It makes you feel old. <laughs> But it's so cool because, and I've seen you in your environment. I mean, you're very relational. You don't just lead worship and then go to your cabin or lead worship and then go yeah. to the green room. You, you're, you are relational. And I think that's that's maybe even more uh, of a ministry than when you're on stage because sure, it's yeah. those moments in between. It's those moments off stage where you're, you're, you're talking to a middle schooler. Hey, talk to me about what you're going through right now in seventh, eighth grade. Like talk to me about, mm -hmm. you know, some of the struggles that you have. And I think that's so important, man. And I mean, just knowing kind of your circles, I mean, it feels like, you know, we were both in DC for seven years. Then I moved down to Nashville and you kind of stayed in this area. There's not many people in the worship world around Washington, DC that probably don't know Keith Elgin. <laughs> and I, I think you just kind of, you, you leave a trail of like relationships in a good way, man. I appreciate um, that. And, and you and I have both had um, so many great conversations about, you know, oh, I know that guy or, you know, even the other day, you know, I was talking with Yanni, the drummer that I connected with through, through you at that yeah. camp. Talk about that a little bit, like building relationships um, and, not just in the networking sense, because I, I mean, I just got back from a conference in Houston last week and I feel like there's a very real disconnect between networking to advance your career mm. and building, building relationships to advance the kingdom. Yeah. And, and I think, I think you do both of those really well, but I think there's an intentionality that's with, with either one. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, that's, I appreciate you saying all that. That's super nice. Um, I, I feel like like you said, I'm a relational person. And so I don't, mm -hmm. I don't, I can't describe it other than to say, God just puts me in 
positions with people, and I'm not trying to have a super spiritual cop out answer. Um, I just feel like I I I try to be uh, available and present with people. I try to be. Mm, I just try to be good. myself. You know, I'm I'm like I like being around people. I'm going to meet new people. I'm not. It doesn't make me stress. Some people that freaks people out. They you know they'll go to a, a party or whatever and they'll hide in the corner because they don't want to talk to the the people they don't know. I'm like, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to go up and talk to you. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, th- I think what that's done ha- for me is it's, it's gotten me in and I, and I don't like, I mean, I'm not like a name dropper, but you know, I got, I'm connected with elevation connected with North point. Like I, I know Brandon mm-hmm. Lake a little bit, like all these different people that, that I think if you asked a worship leader, it would be a, a young worship leader. They might be like, Oh, I want to, I want to be around that person, or I want to be like that person, an influential person, you know. Mm. And I, I think probably early on in my career, if I, if I'm honest with myself, I was like, oh man, I probably felt the same way. Like these types of people, like I want to be around those kind of people. I want to, and I think over time, I, I just had, like I said early on, I opened for Chris Thomas, the first event I ever did as a worship, like artist, quote unquote, you know. Wow, and. It's I only just, downhill from there, right? <laughs> I, know, I, I peaked really early, you know. Um, oh, but but I think just being around people and being like, oh, they're just people that love Jesus. They're they want to worship Jesus. They're they're leading worship. They're normal. They have normal lives, and and so it immediately took like this celebrity veil that people could potentially feel. It took it down for me mm. in a very early time, and so it's just I, I'm not I'm not nervous around. Um, you know, people that might be, you know, quote, ahead of me. So, but mm-hmm. I think what what I have come to realize is I have something to learn from everybody, whether they've been leading worship, they've never led worship, you know, I mean, there's students on our team that I learned from. Um, mm. Or, you know, like I had a, a great conversation with Chris Brown from Elevation about what it was like for them as they, they, they wrote songs from in the early days of Elevation and released music and how did they navigate the relational side of people that were on their team that didn't get to be a part of the recordings? And I mean, just like a whole, yeah. a whole, you know, host of questions that I was able to ask. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. And so now I'm taking that as, okay, God put me in this position. I have something to learn. And so mm. I want to apply that to what I'm doing. It's not, oh, here's this person over here that can help me get to the next step in my career. Cause I don't view it like that. I view like where I am is where God has me and God wants me here. And so anything that happens, conversation, people I meet, you know, I, hopefully they walk away feeling, you know, encouraged by being around me, just like I feel mm-hmm. hopefully encouraged by being around them and I can take what I'm hearing from them and then incorporate that into, to uh, my ministry area too, where I am, you know. Man, that's so good. And the two things that I heard you say early on in that is be available and be present. Mm. And I think in any room that you find yourself in, and this goes for worship teams, worship leaders, songwriters, just people in general that have a heart for Jesus and want to connect. I mean, you know, Jesus said, you know, if you love me, you're going to love my people. You're going to do what I say and, and make disciples and all of that. And we know that, you know, Christianity is not a solo sport. It's a team sport. You've got to do it with others and mm. being available and being present is, is so key. True. I, I, this is, this is interesting because 
you know, even just this week, I was having a conversation with with a worship leader, and they're super talented, super amazing in the production sense, and they can write a song in five minutes. But they would kind of rather spend two hours at their desk mixing than maybe half an hour grabbing coffee with somebody. And and that's a real thing. Like I think mm. there's introverts and extroverts, but I think sometimes we can use either one of those as a crutch. And there's just something about, hey, you've got to be available to to people if you're ever going to minister to them. Yep. And and then if you're in the room, make sure you're present. Because, I mean, you and I both know this. We've, we've been in countless rooms or countless rehearsals even where there's cell phones out and everybody's checking Instagram or <laughs> looking at. You know, it's like, hey, let's it's like if I go on a date with my wife, Keith, if I'm going on a date, like we have this rule, like our phones are face down in the center of the table. And unless there's an emergency where like, you know, we feel the table vibrating 10 times in a row, like we are not picking those phones up, man. That's, yeah. that's so good. Dude. We have be that unspoken rule. That's an unspoken rule for us. And I, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't create it. I was probably the phone person. And then I just noticed uh-huh. that like my wife would be like, you know, set her phone to the side. And I'm like, Oh, we're, we're setting our phones yep, to yep. the side. I, I can take the <laughs> <That's cue. it>. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we are. We are both doing that. That's the key right there. <laughs> Well, dude, let, let me let me change directions here because it was it was kind of cool when when I was just reaching out to you about doing this podcast. You mentioned something about Ableton, mm-hmm. and and you know just it seems like you're prolific in not just building tracks but helping teach about Ableton, teaching the multi track game. And there's yeah. so many churches out there that are using it, but many more that are still kind of like questioning: Is this for us? What would kind of be your your elevator pitch to to maybe that worship leader that's been thinking about taking the leap for a while, but just hasn't been quite yet there. Yeah, yeah, um, that's a, that's a great question. I, so I was kind of an early adopter. So shout out to BWAX mm-hmm. Forum. I don't know if you ever knew BWAX. Oh, I remember that. Yep. <laughs> um, it was Crowder's nice. Crowder's drummer, and he had a forum, and that was he was sharing tracks before there was multi tracks and loop community. Probably illegal at the time, but anyway, churches were using them and stuff. <laughs> um, but it, like I said. I've been doing it 19 years. I've been on staff at three different churches. Like I said, one was medium, one was kind of coffee house vibe, and now I'm at a church that's multi-site, multi-state. And so I think a a couple things that I've, I think probably that weave through all of those situations that they've brought, helped bring consistency and stability. I'm saying using tracks or, or clicks brought consistency and stability. So, you know, they've filled in holes where needed sometimes. It's made it sound more full, like maybe... You know, we, we don't have a bass player one week, but we have every other instruments ready. We can we can use tracks and, and put plug a bass in and just, you know, not miss a beat. And most people aren't gonna mm-hmm. tell because ultimately what we're trying to do is create a place for people to come and worship Jesus. And yeah. so if someone's not gonna be, you know, distracted by it, you know, of course. Maybe there's a bass player out there that comes forward and says, "Hey, I heard bass in the house." If that's a cue, though, that's a, that's a clue right there for you. If somebody comes and says, "I noticed there was no bass in the house," and there was bass in the house, but no bass player on stage, you say, mm-hmm. "Hey, do you play the bass, or would you like to run sound?" You know, um, I see. I see that you've noticed this. Do you yes. happen to play the bass? Yes. Um, so, but I think I don't. I don't. You. I don't think you have to use tracks. I think they can be helpful. I think they could be a distraction in certain environments. Like if it's just you on the guitar and now you have a full band behind you, it might be unnecessary, you know? But right. I, this is where I think the problem arises. It's not a sinful thing, okay? And not everything mm. that we do as worship people or as Christians has to be right or wrong. But but I think so often we try to 
stake our claim to a side and we start having these battles. It used to be hymns versus contemporary, you know? And <laughs> and now I feel like there's a, do I want to flow or do I want to use tracks, you know? And there's, wow. an, there's, there's an argument that, you know, okay, the first argument I think is, can you be a real musician if you have a click or can you just go on the flow and like, you know, and yep, yep. it makes me wonder, you know, I'm not accusing anyone. It makes me wonder, is this because people aren't good at it or because they're scared of the unknown? Or maybe they watch a YouTube video where there was somebody who wasn't good at it that gave this whole speech about how it's not biblical to use tracks, you know? So I, <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, there's things out there like that. And then I think the second thing that I see continually happening is People are like, do I want to follow the Holy Spirit or do I want to use tracks? And mm. the, the the thing that I came to, and, and I had this conversation with, with my pastor, Pastor Michael, was like, this is not a spiritual thing. This is a preference, a musical preference. Because I think if wow. you if using tracks limit the Holy Spirit, then you probably have the wrong perspective of the Holy Spirit. You know, wow. I, like like I've seen right. I, I've seen people be healed or or come forward for prayer or give their life to Jesus while tracks are on. And I don't think yeah. God's like, eh, yeah, but tracks were on, you know, I, I think so <laughs> it, there's, we don't, so I'm going to try to be careful how I say it. We don't each have our own individual Holy Spirit. There's one Holy Spirit. So right, right. it's, so if there is one Holy Spirit and we see the Holy Spirit move when there are tracks, then does that mean that if there's no tracks, that's when the Holy Spirit can really, it's like these things are conflicting with each other. So right it's it's okay to do it or not do it but i don't i don't think mm. we should conflate the idea into that it's more or less holy or more or less spiritual to use tracks or not just because you're more comfortable in a certain way or you know you have a preference you know so i don't want to yeah. i think that's 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 what ends up happening so i think for people that are considering using them i think you got to look at your individual situation to determine should i use them or not is it a distraction or people that are using them Am I, is it too much of a crutch? How can I build this set in a way that allows for space to flow? Because we do that. You know, we'll have a song and then there'll be a repeating click that's just on for, you know, years if we want it. You know, we're just, to, <laughs> you know, and we can just flow there forever, you know. So there's wow. there's ways to do both sides of it. And it doesn't, not everything has to be black or white and right or wrong. Well, I think a lot of it depends on how you define excellence in your context. You know, mm -hmm. like excellence, it's, it's you know, just your very best. So how can you bring your very best for, for this church? It may look like running tracks or it may look like just running a click in a pad, or it may look like, you know, just starting off with like trying to get a drummer who can play with a click for another church. It could be doing the full, you know, the whole nine yards with, with Ableton and, you know, building out, you know, I mean, I know this, like, there's so video. many dimensions you can, yeah, you can do yeah. so many things with Ableton and so many things with networks and MIDI and all that stuff. So yeah. I think that's great, man. I, I really appreciate your yeah. insight on that. Um, well, dude, listen, with, with like the last three or four minutes we've got here, mm -hmm. I've been asking every worship leader this year on worshipology, what, what's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? And, uh, and what do you see in store for the body of Christ coming up? I, so I think the, the biggest thing that I've learned most recently that has just stuck with me for the last probably year or two, and I think it just is so important for especially for people that are that are maybe newer. I mean, it's probably for everybody. Is that <laughs> that 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 um, our identity gets so ra easily wrapped up in what we do for God? So, as someone who has mm. led worship, okay, nineteen years, so you know, probably like a thousand weekends 
total. So I probably led at 900 of them, plus a lot of worship sets at conferences or whatever. You know, so a thousand times I've led worship. And, and through those thousand <laughs> times, right, there's been ups and downs, there's been family deaths, there's been failures and successes, financial success mm. and fights with my wife and having babies and being exhausted after not sleeping on a Saturday night. And, you know, and then still every week, 95% of these weekends, I'm, I'm doing the most vulnerable thing I feel like you can do. And it's kind of exposing like, okay, this is my worship for God, because what are you going to bring to God? What can you bring alone to God if you're alone with him? That, that is not, that's, that's worth bringing. You know, you, if you get alone with God, mm. it's vulnerable. So now you're going through all these things, ups and downs, and now you're in front of people every week. So if you're in front of a hundred or a thousand or 3000 or whatever, depending upon the season, that can mess with your identity and how you process things, whether you're good or bad. And so then, you know, wow. over and over, you can tell yourself that you're doing it for God. And I hope that's the truth with me. If God looked at my heart. But, you know, I, do, I think it's okay to admit the line is blurry. And so I think there have probably been times where I've liked it when people are praising me, you know? And so then I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I'm a good worship leader because this person, you know, praised me. And so I can kind of trick myself because it's such a vulnerable thing. But I think it's okay to admit that that's a struggle because what are we going to bring yeah. to God that he doesn't already know, right? So now I've been processing yeah. the most vulnerable part of my life in front of people, so now I think, you know, I kind of want to like wear a mask and put up a front. And if you do it enough, worship leading, people telling you you're doing a good job in front of, front of everyone, now that becomes your identity because it's a little bit easier. It's controllable. You know, it feels good. And then as the ups and downs happen, particularly in worship leading, right? Like when your identity is there, you no longer just miss a chord or have like an awkward transition between songs or like people didn't engage with the set that you planned because it's your identity. So now when mm. those things happen, it's telling you if you're good or bad as a person, not just like, wow, worship was a bummer today or whatever. It's like, now you're good or bad in the eyes of others. You're good and bad in, in the eyes of yourself. You're good or bad in the eyes wow. of God. And so someone's like, hey, I love when you lead gratitude, like, OMG, it's better than Brandon Lake or whatever. You know, you're like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now I feel good about myself because it's my identity. Mm. Or if your pastor's like, hey, I feel like song three today didn't really hit the mark. I feel like, you know, we shouldn't do that song anymore. Now, instead of being like, okay, receive that feedback, you're like, right. oh my gosh, I'm the worst person. In the you know, you just feel terrible. Yeah. So mm. so I think the line gets blurrier when you're on stage and you're 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 playing out your your identity in Christ or or your worship leading in front of people. And I think you can tell that by what frustrates you. So if you can't sleep on a Sunday night because you sang a bad note or something or, you know, whatever, like your, your identity might be wrapped up. But so here's, here's That's the good it, right there. That's yeah, good. Here's the important thing that I, that I have learned getting alone in silence with God, because in those moments, you, you, there's nothing you can bring. Like you're not convincing mm. God of anything, no mask, no perfect cord, no perfectly pr crafted transition between I speak Jesus and great are you Lord is going to make God impressed, <laughs> right? So, yeah. so you get alone with God and you allow him to speak your identity to you because you can't mm. earn it. There's nothing you can earn in that moment. And I remember like Pastor Michael, our, our, our pastor, had us as a staff do an exercise where we had to sit in silence for 30 minutes. And after about five minutes, 
I'm like, oh, we must be about done. Like, this is so uncomfortable, right? Now, like, I love just sitting in silence and just kind of yeah. listening to God. And I think the more mm -hmm. we do it, the more we hear from God, the more we allow God to mm -hmm. speak into our identity, just as a child of God. I'm not talking about as a worship leader. The more we do that, then the less the success and failure as a worship leader will depend on a on a Sunday morning, or and the more it depends on God instead and who He says we are on a daily basis. And I think that is so key for every worship person, every I mean, really every Christian, no matter what you're doing. I am going to be chewing on that for a little bit. First, I just want to say, man, I appreciate your honesty, your vulnerability in yeah. that. And I think those are common struggles. I think a lot of us struggle with wrapping up our identity with the 30 minutes we, stand, we spend a week on a stage mm -hmm. and there's nothing we can do that's going to impress God. I love that. Get in the quiet spaces. Let yeah. him breathe his life into you. That's it. Uh, Keith, bro, we're going to put uh, show notes with some of your music on how to get in touch with you. Love it. Man, it's been a pleasure, bro. Thank you so much for joining us, dude. I thank you. Thanks for having me, man. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.